Welcome everyone to Good Night and Good Game, your source for geek news for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me as always is my wonderful co-host, Hector. Hello. This week on the show, after the news, we're going to be talking all about the HBO adaptation of The Last of Us. But before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. With all that out of the way, it's time for the Prelude. Prelude. Hey everyone, welcome to the Prelude. Typically this is where we would be talking about what we've been doing this week, uh, but this week has been about something kind of different for the show. We've been making a lot of decisions about how we're going to be handling the show going forward. Um, so as it stands right now, to, to kind of put it bluntly, we haven't really had the bandwidth to do everything that we need to do for the show. Uh, personally, I've been doing this show for 10 years now. Um, and while I've got a lot of feelings about the success of the show in general, that's not really a, a talk that we're trying to have today. Um, what I would, do want to talk about briefly is kind of how we're going to handle the show going forward. So I want to make sure that we hit our Patreon goals and that we get our show done. So what we're going to be doing is going to a bi-monthly format. And one of the reasons for this of going to every other week is uh, some weeks there's just not a whole lot of news to talk about. And we end up feeling pressured to, uh, you know, make a show out of nothing or um, make a lot of adjustments for a week that we're, we're filling dead air essentially. Right. Yeah. And th- th- there um, are a lot of, you know, like, like news dead weeks throughout the year. Right. And so there's a lot of that going on and there's a lot of stuff going on in our personal lives where we're trying to just open up some bandwidth because we have a lot of things going on career wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not that we do not want to do the show every week. I want to point that out at the very beginning here. I love doing the show every week. It has been a point of pride that we've been doing the show damn near every week for about 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, we, with the only the occasional breaks being taken for holidays, um, it's meant a lot to us to do what we can. And are we saying that we will never go back to doing the show every week? Uh, no. Um, Honestly, it would be really great if we, by some miracle, we got really popular and we would love to go back to doing it weekly. Um, But until that miracle happens, it's basically just, you know, we're trying to do the show the best we can. And I want to make sure that our Patreon goals are being hit. I know that we've been talking a lot on the the last couple episodes, like, hey, we want to get the Patreon stuff. We want to get it done, but we just have not had the ability to do so. By going to this every other week format, this will allow us to have that Thursday off to just record some episodes back to back after we get off work. And make sure that we're providing content. So in the weeks that we're not going to be releasing an ep- a proper episode with the news, you'll find something on Patreon, whether it's just talking about movies or something in the news or just something fun. Um, so there will be a kind of a offset to that. Um, yeah, it's it was a, it was not an easy decision to get to this point. Um, we we had a lot of talks about this, mm-hmm. and we are having to do what's kind of best for us right now. And um, yeah, it's it's we just want the show to run smoothly and be good quality, and this is the only way we can think to do it. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to continue forward we we will keep doing the show because we love it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but we're just going to be changing up the format a little bit. Yeah. And thank you to everyone so much for supporting us. And we know that you'll continue to do so. Um, we appreciate you all very much. Yeah. It's, it's been a heck of a ride and we hope that there's a lot more really fun stuff to look forward to. Um, we'll get there when we get there though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but enough of the sad stuff. We have to, a show to do. So let's get into the news in the weekly raid. The Weekly Raid. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It is time for The Weekly Raid. It's your roundup of this week's geek news. 
Kicking things off this week, Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash is teaming up with Rue Morgue Magazine for a new production company called Berserker Gang. The purpose of Berserker Gang, according to sources, is to find quality horror films and distribute them. Um, I love that. Yeah, we need more A24s. We need more Bloomhouses. We need, yeah, yeah, this sounds great. More of these in the world. This is how every, studios like these, studios that produce movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once, for example, um, and a lot of the other Oscar winners from this year, um, are what keeps our entire industry from becoming Marvel movies. And as much as I like Marvel movies, they shouldn't all be Marvel movies. Right. Or DC movies or franchise movies or sequels or prequels or nostalgia mm -hmm. grabs, even though those things make a lot of money. The more things we have, the better. Um, fuck yeah, Slash. Yeah. Uh, Slash is apparently a giant horror fan. He already uh, just finished helping produce a horror project. Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently he's an amazing person to work with. Oh, that's great. So, I love to hear that. Yeah. All, all these things. They said their first... Uh, the, the upcoming news that we'll know about this production company will be announced at the next uh, cons film festival. Sweet. Oh, that's yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, we finally got some more information on legendary entertainment's quote unquote reboot of the faces of death movies. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are unaware what faces of death is, cause I feel like this is a very specific moment in time that we're talking about. Um, it was a series of viral videotapes that existed before the word viral was a thing. Right. Um, and people wondered if they were snuff films because of the content on the videos. Like they had, you know, things and people dying and, mm -hmm. and all kinds of, they were very weird videos. You can probably find them online. I imagine to this day. Um, and we were wondering like, how do you, how are you going to reboot something that people wonder if it's a snuff film? Yeah. So that what they're going to do is they're going to do a movie kind of about the movies where there's going to be a main character and she works for kind of a YouTube like website and she's a moderator for that website. And if you're unfamiliar with this concept and sites like YouTube have moderators who basically spend their entire day looking through almost every video that's uploaded to try and check for, you know, inappropriate things. They right. have an, they have an algorithm algorithm that helps, and then they look at them after that. Mm -hmm. And this person that that's going to be the main character of the movie, she's been through a lot of trauma. Uh, this is her job, um, and she finds a group of people who are trying to who are attempting to recreate the killings from the original Faces of Death movie. Mm. And so this movie is going to go explore a lot of modern topics, like how real are these killings in a digital age? You know, how, how much easier is, is it to fake these kind of things oh, wow. in, the, in a modern setting? That's very interesting. I like that. Yeah. The history of faces of death is something that, um, if you have a little bit of free time to research, it's, it's a fun hole to go down, um, because there's not a ton of information about it because they have for, since the creation of them tried to keep the mystery as to whether or not that stuff's real. Yeah. It seems like the type of thing that like, if you were on the internet in the nineties, you would have found some like GeoCities site about that, you yeah. know, was basically written by two people who are completely convinced it's all real and, yeah. you know, talk conspiracy theories and whatnot. Exactly. Just when you thought Ubisoft couldn't make any more bad decisions, this week it was announced they're going to begin using AI to script barks or lines spoken by an NPC after a certain trigger has been established in a video game. Um, so the reason they're using AI instead of writers for this is they said that it's important because writing repetitive dialogue can be tedious and this helps free up writers' time. Now I want to point something out. To make the AI write these lines, a human has to tell the chat bot a situation and then it comes up with the response. Yeah. 
Yeah. So okay, so I've got a take. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's hear your take on, about this because on, holy on, shit, on, on this shit. So as we all know, in 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 the world that we live in, in the country that we live in, where most of these video games are made. Mm-hmm. Um, the vastly and egregiously overpaid video game writers, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, vastly overpaid, yeah, obviously. Like, these people are obviously making way too much they're all just they in, contribute to video games. They're all in Lambos and shit. So why don't we pay them so much less that it becomes zero? Because it costs about, like, I think it's like two ninety nine a month to have, like, 40,000, like, words of dialogue generated mm. by chat GPT. You're right. Um, let's just do it that way. And the person we pay to type prompts into chat GPT can make minimum wage. Yep. Rather than a writer's salary, which is just above minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, this sounds like a great way to save money. Here's the thing about AI-generated shit. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, AI art too. Everyone who looks at this shit and thinks like, oh my God, it's going to take over the world. What beautiful things. It's theft. It's not real. This computer didn't make anything. It figured out through an algorithm and programming a clever way to take someone else's art, two pieces of art, maybe mm-hmm. three, maybe four, and slap it together. Mm-hmm. It's not generating shit. ChatGPT is the same thing. Right. When you ha- when you tell it, hey, write an essay about uh, Martin Luther King for my English class. Mm-hmm. It's not reading about Martin Luther King and then coming up with its own words. Right. It is copying from every essay about Martin Luther King. It can get its hands on, mm-hmm. weaving them together to avoid a plagiarism robot that also exists on the internet, <laughs> and then giving it to you. Using chat GPT to write scripts is theft. Yep. <laughs> it just is. When, when you when you feed this thing, like, hey, came up with some video game dialogue in this situation, it will literally go and find any video game dialogue it can find <laughs> from this situation and just take it and be like, here is here it is with the um, nouns in different places, so there's no need for a comma. And there's your dialogue. Look how smart I am. This is absolute nonsense, and it, it will fail. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's bad. Ugh. All right. Final Fantasy XI is having their development team downsized to something, quote, quite compact as the fan-favorite MMO enters its later years. Square's not firing the developers, however. Uh, they are just moving them to other projects. Mm-hmm. According to their, their blog post, uh, quote, remaining on the Final Fantasy XI team full-time would mean giving up certain opportunities in their careers as developers. For developers, working with new technologies and seeing the fruits of their labor take form in new products can be a huge source of motivation and opportunity to grow. So rather than limit our developers to working exclusively on Final Fantasy Eleven and decades old technology, I believe it would be better to allow them to gain experience in other development environments and allow them to bring back their learnings to Final Fantasy Eleven. I mean, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Sounds very cool. I don't know what it means to bring experience back to a game that launched when I was a freshman in college. I mean, it's <laughs> 2002 is when that game came out and it is still going. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, we've been hearing the rumors for a long time. They're like, they're just keeping it afloat. Like they're, yeah. they're not releasing any new content. They are, they've got people in there doing yeah, bug fixes. Mode, right? Yeah. It's in maintenance mode now. Yeah. Final fantasy 11 has been in maintenance mode for a while. They have a whole other final fantasy MMO. Yeah. That, that is very, wi- very popular. wildly successful. One of the most popular on earth. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that they have that going for them. And I honestly, I figure if I was at Square Enix, I'd just be like, God, can you guys just get, be done with it and move yeah. over at this point? Like, can we just, can we just move? Yeah, it's like, did, did someone sign a deal with the devil to release this game? And was like, as long as there's a single person playing, you may not <laughs> shut it off. Right. And that now they're just reeking tied to it. Forever. And I mean, and, and that's the thing is if they did announce at some point, hey, we're going to shutter Final Fantasy XI, which will happen someday, mm-hmm. as is wont to do, I will be one of those people that says I'm going to log on for the final weekend. So so here's my, my, my most burning question about all of this, right? Because businesses are very, very good at exactly one thing, and that's making money and figuring out how to make money and not losing money. Sure. This is all one thing to me, yep. by the way. I know I said three things. Anyway, if it didn't cost, if they weren't making more money than it cost to keep the game up, I feel like they would stop. Oh yeah, absolutely. Considering how many other games they shuttered this year. Yeah. So like, this is the thing. Like, like we think about this game, like, oh, how nice the thing they're doing for the community. And, and honestly, it's great that they haven't shut it off. Most companies would just to protect their newer assets from right. like, being stolen from by their previous ones that are still alive. Yeah. But they just kind of keep this game going, which means it's still making money mm-hmm. 20, 20 years fucking later. Think about how many people pay for a subscription and then just forget. Later. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, this is very cool. Yeah. It's a cool thought because they're not doing this out of the kindness of their hearts as much as we'd like to believe so. Yeah. But it's 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 better that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, rock on, Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> Just keep going. Uh, Redfall developer Arcane Studios, based here in Austin, is currently working to scrap the online requirement of their game. The game's director said that the previous reason for the online requirement was to collect player data so that they could bug test in real time. He said there was never anything nefarious about the, the mm-hmm. data collection. It was for things like when a ladder's not working properly. Right. Um, but he under also understands that an on a required online component would hurt players who don't have a consistent or stable internet connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, good. <laughs> I like your reaction is like the bare minimum. Yeah. This is literally like we have fixed our game so that when we decide we no longer want to pay, pay for a server, the game doesn't go away. The right. game that you bought for money that you want to still play mm-hmm. maybe three or four years, five years down the line. If it was a, a Sony game much, much sooner. It's not Sony, it's, <laughs> it's square, mm-hmm. you know, but maybe a year later, if it's not making any money, the game you bought and maybe really liked. When they shut down that always online thing that has to stay online, game's borked. Can't play no more. Yep. So removing this, by far, the bare minimum. It's like, good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for not putting an end date on my product. Like, sure. like a very specific end date. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got a few more fun things to talk about before we get into our main topic, uh, such as a Canadian judge has dismissed a claim that loot boxes and EA games are a form of illegal gambling. The reason for this is that the boxes or items inside them cannot be cashed out to gain money. However, the judge is allowing the class action lawsuit to move forward as they do believe that loot boxes fall under deceptive acts or practices. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, it, it's not... When you think about gambling, I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, if it were if it were like, you know, the, the, the pachinko arcades where like, 
you get a prize and then you walk next door to the thing that right. buys the Cause, prize. Because technically, you yeah. Yeah, and you're cashing it out that way. That would be one thing. But this is really like they're not give. They don't want you to have a secondary market for the shit you buy from right, them. Right, right. When you buy a FIFA thing, that yeah. FIFA thing's tied to your account, and you are selling your account at yeah. that point. The only the people thing. who ever tried to do something like that, which like if yeah, imagine putting loot boxes in Diablo three and then having an an open auction house, a real money auction house. Right. Like this is where the problem lies. Right, but um, I mean, no, that makes a lot of sense, and I love that you know he, he he it seems like he followed everything to where it went, and but it's still you know moving forward. He's like, it's still is, bad. It's just not bad yeah, in the way that you just, say that it, it's this bad. This is absolute bullshit, but it really doesn't fall under the definition. So, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Netflix continues to ramp up support for their Netflix gaming service, adding the Monument Valley games from developer USTO, as uh, well as confirming that their deal with Ubisoft is going to be continuing going forward with the roguelike Mighty Quest Rogue Palace in the pipeline, as well as a new title in the Assassin's Creed franchise. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so if you didn't know, if you have a Netflix account, you have a access to a bunch of games. Yep. Just so you know, for free... On your phone. Yeah. A lot of your questions are probably like, how would I play a game on Netflix? It's on your phone. It's on your phone. It's on your phone. Yep. You can play games on your phone. Tons of them. They literally dozens of games on your phone. If you have a Netflix account Mm -hmm. and Kentucky route zero, one of my favorite games it's on there. Yeah. You can just play it. Excellent fucking game. Fantastic fucking game, Mm -hmm. but weird. Oh yeah, no, super weird. And you know, like I, I have like I, I, there's a joke brewing in my head about your game being canceled after the first season. Oh I god, I haven't fully formed it yet. <laughs> right, like like Netflix somebody out is, there will have one. Yeah, Netflix is not in my good graces at the moment, but I like that they're getting further into gaming. Yep, let's uh, make gaming even more accessible. Like right. I'm never against that. Sure. Let's continue down the weird news list today. Uh, Steam has delisted Tax Heaven 3000, a dating sim that is meant to help you file your taxes. <laughs> Inside the visual novel is one of the ways to make the main character fall in love with you is to give her your social security number, which is a standard part of the tax filing process. Remember, this looks like a dating sim, but the game actually does help you file your taxes. That like is the at point. At the end, you like click submit. And you click submit to the to the girl and your taxes are filed. I mean, did plus plus, double submit day. I'll take it. And uh, there's been no reason listed for the delisting because the game actually hasn't fully come out yet. It's supposed mm-hmm. to launch on March 31st. Okay. To give it like two weeks before the end of tax season, basically. Um, But yeah, I can see why Steam might be a little thrown off though if they're like... Sure, this game asks you for your social security number literally written in reviews and they're like, nope. Like, 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 there's a lot of shit we'll put up with, but no to this. (laughs) Right. We'll let a million hentai games onto Steam. Oh, yeah. But one dating sim where you have to put in your social security number? No bueno. Absolutely not. Um, I respect that decision. I respect it. Coming from a country where you have to do your own fucking taxes, Mm -hmm. I feel like... Our government should just use this. It should literally <laughs> just the, the, log uh, in to like taxes.gov in the web portal and an anime girl should be like, all right, what's your social security number, cutie? And, you know, <laughs> just go from there. And by the end of it, you've had a nice conversation with a sweet girl and you, you might even be ready for, you know, to, to take the next step and go on a date. And if you want to, you can keep playing the game. 
But at the end of this process, you click submit and your taxes are. Yeah. Or so you're saying the government should buy this game and just use and, it and implement it immediately. immediately. Yep. Yes, absolutely. And um, if not, they could just do our fucking taxes for us like every other civilized country on earth. <laughs> yeah, I was reading this and I was just like, this is like the weirdest and yet most ingenious thing in the world. Mm-hmm. You make a dating sim with a cute anime mascot. And they help you file your taxes, and at the end of it, your taxes are done, and you have played a dating sim. Yep. It's it's so stupid. It's brilliant. Oh, man. <laughs> just in the back of my head, I can hear, no, it's just stupid. No, it's brilliant. Like, look, like, like, if you want to get people on your side, if you want to get people excited about doing their taxes, you right. have a pretty good well to go from here. You can even let them pick what their anime girl looks like before they right. start so they can romance whatever their type is. And, and I said girl very freely because that's, you know, what I would want. But it could be your anime anything. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and I don't even mean like boys, girls, and everyone in between. Like, you can your anime sexy robot, yeah, your anime android, your anime toaster, your cute anime hamster, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know that this can be your mascot. While it it, it says nice things to you, and you do, and, and you do your taxes, you do your taxes. Like that, that, that. This is a great fucking idea. If it were true to life, it would be like a cyberpunk dystopian theme. It already and is. And then the game would tell you what your tax money is going to as you like pay it. It's like, oh, this right here, that's for the don't say gay bill. Oh, this uh, thing right here, right. this is this is this is what stops women from being able to seek medical care. This one here, yeah, that that would be what a real United States made like taxes game should be. Right. Yes, yeah. please tell us all the horrible thing you're doing with our money. Exactly. Jeez. Most of this is just bullets, by the way. It's like just a lot of bullets. of this is bullets. Yeah. More than 400 Twitch workers were laid off this week as Amazon laid off 9,000 jobs total across all of their divisions. In a public memo, quote, in the current macroeconomic environment, Whoa. in order to run our business sustainably, we must we have made the very difficult decision to shrink the size of our workforce. I'm pretty sure ChatGPT wrote that. This is the second round of layoffs at Amazon. There were over 18,000 people cut in January where company entire companies like Comixology were just nuked and impacted. Mm-hmm. Hector go. Yeah, so um we hear a lot about, you know, things that are bad for the economy and things that are good in the economy, uh, for the economy, like bailing up banks or inflation or whatever thing they do to the, you know, working class that they justify with, well, it keeps the economy running. And then you get things like Amazon laying off 18,000 workers since the beginning of the year. Yep. But nobody talks about that as being bad for the economy. 18,000 people who no longer have what was likely their primary source of income. 18,000 people who end up in horribly underfunded and inadequate support systems who may have already been working a second job just to be able to afford rent and a car um, as both are egregiously expensive and have gone up. Uh, it, it, in in the it, it, it fifty to a hundred percent since COVID. But not to mention what food costs now. Not to mention what healthcare costs. Eighteen thousand people losing their jobs should be considered an attack on the economy. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, but you know they had to to make their Amazon had to to make their business sustainable mm-hmm. because Amazon wasn't fucking sustainable. Mm-hmm. Like, look, 
<laughs> if it wasn't sustainable, you did the company wrong. You shouldn't need to uh, probably cast eight. There's no way that a percentage of those people don't end up homeless. Mind you, they, like you're they, literally causing homelessness. They bought Comixology like two years ago. Yeah. They bought a whole ass company and then they're like, yeah, just lay them off. Yeah, this type of shit should be entirely illegal. And if we were unionized, it would be. This is what they lose when you unionize. They lose the ability to lay you off en masse. So unionize, like, like do that, please. Oh. Because this, yeah, there, there's no more evil thing a company can do then tilt the economy of the working class towards poverty with this bullshit so that next week they can buy back a bunch of their stock so that they can sell it later for a higher price and be considered financial geniuses and tacticians. They do it on the backs of all of us. Um, I think that might be all I have to say about that, except for, you know, fuck Amazon. If you can, don't use it. But I know you have to use it because this is America. It's practically the post office. Yep. It's incredibly convenient. And the reason that it's as convenient and as cheap as it is is because they do shit like this. So maybe just, try not to use it. Just, just things to keep in the back of your head. All right. Last bit of news for the week before we get into the boss room. The popular uh, graphic novel Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin will be getting a game adaptation using what they are calling a God of War-like system. Uh, the comic, if you're unfamiliar with it, is the story about Michelangelo from, uh, from the Ninja Turtles in a world where all of his brothers have died, and it's his journey of revenge. Um, it is currently being developed by an unnamed studio. So as, as much as I love the Ninja Turtles cartoon and all of the video games, I was never a reader of the comic. Yep. I didn't. This comic came out in 2020. Oh, well, that sounds fucking rad. Um, yeah. I, I should read that. Yep. Um, it, it, very, like, a lot, like, people say, like, if you only read one Ninja Turtle comic, probably read this one. It yeah, is dark you know, as fuck. It, it sounds like something I'm going to, like, pick up, a, a, you know, a, a, a serial bus of, an omnibus of, mm. and, uh, yeah, just go to town on it. Because that sounds really cool, and Ninja shit is absolutely my jam. Uh, watch back in the show and ask me about Ghost of Tsushima, you know? Yeah, from what I understand, the way that they... Like, the first five comics or however many it went, um, they don't reveal until the end of the first comic which turtle it is. Oh, that's really cool. Because he carries all of the weapons of all of his brothers on him. Oh, that's fucking dope. Yeah, I, so, really, need, I really need to read this. So, as cool as this sounds, um, I feel like, I don't know, like making this game, calling it right out of the gate, a triple A game, and comparing it to God of War, of all things. Mm -hmm. Um... I, I'm and not giving us what studio is doing it. Not giving us what studio is doing it. So, like, how far along can they be in development? Games take five years to develop. Mm -hmm. So it's either too early or maybe they have a big announcement soon. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. This is kind of like a put up or shut up for me because, right. like, Ninja Turtles, the last game that was released about the Ninja Turtles was Shredder's Revenge, which that was is so, very so good, good and a lot of fun, and you should play it. We should play it more. Yeah. But, um, like, going from that to literally, like, you know, the game of the year from 2022. Right. Let's try and, let's try and make one of them. Right. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, it seems to me at this moment incredibly big for some unknown <laughs> British. Somebody called, or we got to get a new theme for the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Oh man, I, I, I would, yeah, let, let's get um, Bear McCreary out here making some fucking Ninja Turtles music, right? Right. Or the dude from The Last of Us who plays the guitar. That guy would rule at yep. this. Yeah, let's yep. have him make some Ninja Turtles music. Honestly, like, if this is good, I'll probably be, like, one of the happiest people in the world. 
Mm-hmm. But I, at this moment in time, I, I mean, show me. I think we have you a know? comic to pick up and read at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely that. Uh, absolutely yeah. that. Hopefully I'll be back in two weeks with my comic <laughs> being like, y'all need to read this. This is what I did. Yeah. This is my prelude. All right, that's everything that we have for the news this week, but stick with us as we get into our main topic in the Boss Room. Boss Room. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It's time for the Boss Room, our main topic that is sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week, we are going to be talking all about HBO series The Last of Us. Now, I honestly don't know if we're going to get into spoilers. I just don't know. I don't know if we can. There is nothing about the show that we could spoil that isn't in the game. I know. But I just want to put a spoiler warning yeah. just for our safety, your safety. We will talk yeah, about some yeah. things. If you've never played The Last of Us game yeah. and you haven't seen the show, honestly, go do that and then come back and listen to it. Right. Like, because, I, I, it, first of all, you owe it to yourself. You're a wonderful human being. You deserve good things. The Last of Us is a good thing to watch and to play. Mm-hmm. Go do that. But yeah, I mean, I I I think I'm going to spoil a bunch of shit. <laughs> right. I have some things to say. <laughs> All right, so let's start at the top of the questions. What did you think about The Last of Us on HBO? As a TV show, The Last of Us on HBO. Um. Okay, so I'm going to start uh, as a just a TV show, an HBO caliber TV show. Mm-hmm. This show has impeccable acting, amazing sets. Um, everything looks real. Everything is like drowning in atmosphere. Mm -hmm. It all feels correct. It all feels, you know, grounded in the reality that inspired the game, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, all praise. Again, like, you know, Pedro Pascal, obviously, um, uh, oh man. And literally every other actor and actress in this show. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to ask a question Um, and I know the answer to it. Okay. But I, I, were you concerned when a non-white Joel was cast? What? No. <laughs> I Because I feel like the internet has feelings about this kind of shit. Well, maybe, but I, look, you know, I don't know what to tell you, bigots. Like, right? Um, if, if they had cast... I can think of... If they had cast Duke Winston as Joel, I would have been like, Winston Duke, I'm sorry. I, I would have been like, yeah, I, I bet you that will work. Yeah. That sounds good. Dope actor, gonna gonna gonna, yeah. gonna kill this role. Gonna bring probably something extra to it that wasn't in the game. Should yeah. be interesting if you know that. And, I'm, and this could have like I I have a million names for this. And Pedro Pascal looks more like Joel first of all than Troy fucking Baker. It's true. Uh, so that was fine. He Pedro Pascal. If you took Joel the video game series of assets and brought mm-hmm. them out into real life. Mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal could be a stunt double. Yeah. Like that's how much alike they look. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, yeah, the, the, I have nothing to say uh, to, to anyone who thought Good. that they should have found. I knew the answer for Joel. I, I knew the answer and I'm happy with it. Just wanted to get it out there. Just so it was said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could have, you know what they should have done? They should have used the character that played Frank. Cause that guy looks a lot like Joel too, but just kept made Joel gay. Let's go for it. Yeah. How do you like that one? You jerks. Right. Um, So, yeah. As a TV show, impeccably acted, uh, Bella Ramsey, Pedro Pascal, everyone here and fro and to and from and in between um, uh, did it fantastic in every way. As an HBO show Mm -hmm. goes right to the top, it it, it hits me in that same space that, like, Game of Thrones hits me Mm -hmm. that, you know... 
Uh, all the DC stuff we watch on there hits me. It, it you know, it, it, everything. It, it hits so well. Excellent show as an HBO show. Mm-hmm. As a video game adaptation. Yeah. What do I think about it as a video game adaptation? Um, Probably the gold standard of video game adaptations. And I'm speaking specifically about the writing. Okay. And I'm not talking about whether or not they were like faithful to the game because there's a lot of the dialogue in the game, especially the more important stuff that is just word for word, scene for scene, beat for beat. The sets are the same. The wallpaper in the house is the same. Mm-hmm. The, the the blanket on the little uh, reading nook in the little girl's bedroom is the same. The sign on the baseball stadium. The sign on the baseball stadium. What a great story. We'll probably come back to that. Mm-hmm. That's such a good story. But it, everything was very, very faithful. But video games, when mm-hmm. you play them, let's not forget, The Last of Us probably took about 15 to 20 hours to beat for your first playthrough most of that was you playing as either joel or ellie murdering the shit out of hundreds of people Mm -hmm. that's gameplay that's core gameplay loops it's a fun little puzzle because they make it a resources check and make you be creative with what you have that is gameplay that is what makes the game fun right making someone sit through watching that is called a let's play that's not a TV show. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to watch you play a video game, they can do that. There are but many good Let's Plays of The Last of Us that exist. There are so many. Go- there is a Let's Play of The Last of Us by Troy Baker, Nolan North, and Ashley Johnson, mm-hmm. where they just sit there and play The Last of Us, part one. Uh, yeah. And, and talk about right, talk, and talk, talk about making about making the game. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and Nolan and Troy talk about making Uncharted. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they talk about when the last time they played the game was and how they always cry at this part. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a great playthrough if, if you like the game you should watch it but that's not what a tv show is a tv mm. show an hbo tv show a limited series you got nine hours so what do we do we take out the gameplay parts yeah. we can pay a lot of homage to things that people like and people notice about gameplay but in the at the end of the day you have to write the game in such a way where your two main characters don't have body counts higher than every serial killer put together right like you know so when they write, they write around these things and they write the characters to be slightly different in certain ways. But when it comes to the major beats and when it comes to executing the story faithfully and not just faithfully, but like putting it to a TV audience in a way that they would understand without the context of gameplay. Yeah. Absolute master class. Well, and they even kind of solve for that issue via dialogue. Oh, yeah. Instead of making us watch the characters mow a bunch of people down there's a lot of dialogue of like, you know, Joel's a bad person. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, they talk about that. They, they yeah. you know, they, they reference their past. They reference, you know, the things that they had to do because mm-hmm. of the apocalypse. You get the idea. Right. How did you know that person? That was a trap yeah. because I've been on the receiving or the giving yeah. end of that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's references and it actually culminates at the very end where you've heard them talk a big you know, game about Joel up until that point, Mm -hmm. but he hasn't, he hasn't not had the motivation to do it. He even tries to, you know, obviously give up Ellie because he doesn't feel like he can take care of her at that point, you know? And then all of a sudden we get into the last episode and it's just like, Oh, like tactical Joel just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like episode to episode, you get, um, just such a good mix of, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he points at the screen and yeah. snaps. You get so much like, mm, that's a thing. Mm, yeah. That's a thing. That's I remember that. I mm-hmm. love that. Callback. But the rest of the time, you're just watching the story play out again. Hopefully with someone who hasn't played the game. 
Mm-hmm. And, and you just get to experience it all over again. Yeah. Uh, it's Yeah. So, so well done. So, so well done. Yeah. I think watching it, if you do get the opportunity to watch it with somebody who's never played the game before, mm-hmm. do it. L- like, look for your friends. Like, be like, hey, will you come watch this with me? And just like, I love doing that with my friends. Oh, Whenever yeah. they say they haven't seen something, I've never been one of those people. Well, I say in modern times, I've not been one of those people that have been like, oh my God, you've never seen that before. What's wrong mm-hmm. with you? It's like, you've just given me an invitation to show you something that I love. Yeah. Do that for the last of us. Be like, you haven't seen it. Like, come on, yeah. sit down with me. Yeah. I'll grab some tissues and some popcorn. We'll knock this thing out. Yeah. I got my mom to watch this show. Y'all like that's, that's how good. And she watched it and she's not a video game person and, yep. and she's not really a horror person or a zombie person and she loved the show yeah and I think that's a big thing right is that we as we are live in the age of streaming right now we very rarely have shows one would consider water cooler talk shows oh yeah right oh yeah um, very, Game very of Thrones rare. is really the last big one I could think of oh yeah I mean the, the only other one like you know you get usually about a week of Stranger Things talk sure a week yeah because it, it comes out all at once right you know and yeah everything else is you get like there was some talk around Ted Lasso, you know, mm-hmm. but again, we don't really have like big water cooler shows because you can't count on like everyone to be watching the same thing all the time. Right. This, the internet was watching. Oh yeah. The internet had memes, you know, Monday morning from Sunday night show. That was, that yeah. was the feeling of this. And show. my boss, not a gamer whatsoever, yeah. but he was just like, Oh my God, have you been watching the last of us? And I was like, yeah. like, yeah. And he would kind of talk to me about the episode and he was like, Oh, that was a really lighthearted episode. You know, I can't, it had been kind of dark for a while. And I'm like, and I was like, I'm not going to spoil anything, yeah. but there's a reason why it was a lighthearted episode. Bro, they bro. are buttering you up. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you're about to you're about to watch some children die next episode. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't tell him that, but I was just like, <laughs> just just get to the next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So adaptation, we've talked that. Uh, let's talk about what was changed. Not, yes. We don't talk specifically about, but how do you like what was changed about it? Well, the thing is, all of the stuff that was changed, um, and you know, there are. A couple of story beats, um, you know, that, that people talk very specifically about the fact that in the game, the, 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 the spores are airborne. Right. And you can't really do that in the show. And a lot of people said, well, yeah, you know, the, the actress probably didn't want to wear a mask. Pedro Pascal's the Mandalorian. He'll right. wear a mask all day if it calls for it. You know, if he thinks it's important, he'll absolutely wear a mask. He can get anyone to wear a mask. Mm. It's The show doesn't work well with an airborne threat. Because people wouldn't just be outside talking to each other. Right. That's just not how any of this shit would work. Mm-hmm. Um, in the game, there's a very clear mechanic of like, oh, this is a spory area. You right. know, this is a game on. mechanic. Right. But literally everywhere outside of, you know, that zone is fine. That's not how that shit would work at all. If the wind blows through, you know, the, the place where the spores are, there are spores everywhere now. Mm-hmm. So they did it in favor of better storytelling so that people wouldn't constantly be like, well, don't they need masks? Right. You know, it, that's good. Um, now, that, that made the show easier to tell and it made the story And if you watch some of those interviews or the after show stuff, um, there's a lot of times where they suggested a change and Neil Druckmann was like, God damn it. Why didn't I think about that? Yeah. <laughs> like literally the whole like yeah. the, 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 the veins of the fungus being interconnected like that. Oh, yeah. He was like, I'm really mad. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Like that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. The idea that like, if you disturb one, they can all like speak yeah. to each other and it forms hordes. Like that's a really good idea and a good game mechanic. Yep. If I'm being honest. Yep. Um, well, so, uh, uh, let's talk for a second about the biggest change. Sure. Uh, that's episode three. Yeah. Bill. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's talk about Bill. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nick Offerman, um, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, if you don't know who Nick Offerman is, you should really look that up. Um, you know, uh, Ron Perlman from Parks and Rec. There's a million memes about him. You know, you know who this guy is. Plays Bill, the character uh, from The Last of Us, who you meet in a town, who you're you know, trying to get on your way and uh, make your journey with, you know, as Joel with Ellie. And you, uh, in the game, you spend some time with him. You realize he set up a bunch of traps in this town. He basically took over and made into his own personal fort. Very, very capable human being, very capable man. While you're playing the game, you keep hearing him talk about Frank and how Frank left and he took off and they were fighting. Um, And you realize if you're paying, you know, even just enough attention that, you know, Frank was Bill's partner. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, he was his—he was his fucking husband. He was his lover. Yeah, it he was, was not. Partner. It wasn't. It wasn't, they it wasn't even that subtle. It was not subtle. It was not subtle. It was. It was kind. Of, it was not context. It was text. Yeah, it, it was pretty obvious. The more and more you like look back on the game, anyone who is surprised, he by literally this, had like 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 male. Met, like men's like nudie mags <laughs> around his place. Yep. They're, they're, yeah, the they're context the was text. Yep. It was all there. <laughs> so what do they do in the show? Instead of just having Joel and Ellie meet this character and wander around a town and fight zombies, which would have been really expensive and a hard place to put any kind of meaningful dialogue or tell any good stories. It's a very video gamey section of the game. They just take Bill and they give you his whole backstory. They show you where he meets Frank. Mm-hmm. They show you how they became partners, mm-hmm. how they fell in love, how they lived their lives together for 20 years, practically 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, because the story goes all the way back to like the early infection and, you know, the town's getting, you know, rounded up by military people and, and Bill staying behind. You find Frank falling into one of Bill's traps and him, you know, helping him out and feeding him. And you get this whole amazing, probably one of the best love stories I've seen in decades um, told about these two people who just, you know, found each other in the apocalypse and found Mm -hmm. a way to be together, found a way to love each other. And God, it's it's just incredibly moving it's incredibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. It still ties directly into the show. Um, that's, again, just uh, like I said before, masterclass writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely masterclass writing. Excellent stuff. Yeah. The stuff that they changed, I feel like it was important to change for, you know, like you said, the the pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill, honestly, in the video game is a horrible person and you don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. And he's kind of a piece of shit. And them rewriting him to give him a happy story. Yeah. Um, that's good. I liked that. I liked being I liked being able to feel things for Bill. There was something about like finding a little bit of paradise in the apocalypse. And it, it, I don't know what this is aside from like a message that, the, you know, these people kind of seem like they were better off this way. Right. You know, for the most part. Yeah. Sans, you know, no, there's no hospitals, mm-hmm. you know, but. Yeah, I mean, it just, yeah, it, it meant a lot to me, that episode. It, it Find me an adaptation of a work, much less a video game, into a movie that elevates the material to this level. Yeah. Due to where you get a great actor to deliver their absolute best work. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that. Fucking oh. brilliant. Was there, yes, a, was there anything that you disliked about the show? Um, I've had a chance to, like listen to other people's review of the show and for uh the more pedantic 
people, I've heard them say that knowing the moments that were going to come and then seeing them might have soured them on it. Like, like knowing what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not that person. Right. That, that doesn't bother me. And, and, and because the show was of such great quality and because they took such loving care with it. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't really have that problem. The, uh, the only thing I want from the show is more of it. You yeah. Know, no, I, I, Honestly, that was I my biggest takeaway. And I know that's a, that's a cop out answer, but my thing was like, God, you guys only did nine episodes. You probably could have fit a couple more in there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's great when they don't, I'm usually like, don't overstay your welcome all about, all about the show, like being as long as it needs to be and no longer right. filler in shows. I watched way too much CW filler in shows become so, right. so, so obvious. We survived so the Arrowverse. Awful. We survived the Arrowverse. We need to make fucking t-shirts. Right. I survived the Arrowverse. <laughs> um, but you know, the show had no filler and I was very happy with that. And I'm, you know, hoorah and I'm all champion in their corner. And then I saw the final episode was like 43 minutes long. And I'm like, guys, really? Right. Come on, crank it up right. to 60 at least. Right, give Jimmy, us the hour. Yeah, like, like, you know, why, why is this the same length as an episode of Grey's Anatomy? This is the finale of <laughs> right. Last of Us. Right. Uh, but you know what? It was a, a great episode. I, I feel like it, it did everything it could. Um, maybe they could have made it a little longer, um, but... Yeah, no, I, I, I honestly was I wondering have... if they would have ended up putting more Last of Us 2 crossover stuff in the episodes, but really they kept it very faithful to the original very game. Very faithful they, for, for the, for, for the fans of both games and especially uh, for people who have played the last of us too. Um, there were some huge nods to the oh, last yeah. of us part. Yes. Two. There Obviously there was the entire commune mm-hmm. that you don't see in the first game. You only see the dam. Right. And in, in, in this, in this, you, you go straight there, you get the whole town. There's a, tell you about the there was a hint of one of the other main characters that was kind of briefly shown oh, on the screen. Yeah, yeah. If there are, um, yeah, there, there, there's a hint of, yeah, exactly that. Mm. Yeah, since we're not spoiling The Last of Us 2 game or movie, mm. a game or, you know, TV show that will come out in a year and a half, two years. Mm. Um, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of hints to part two in both, yeah, in, in, in a lot of it, but it's not, it, it's, that part is very, very subtle. Yes. And I guess they could have done more, but I mean, did they, they, they had so much to do with their nine episodes just to get the game. In. Yeah. Well, let's get our final thoughts. I want to, I want you to get it all out there, Ooh. Hector. While you think about that, I'll go ahead and go. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that's been coming up in conversation a lot recently, and this is not a final thoughts just about the last of us, but just take for granted, just to take it at face value. I loved this thing. One of the conversations that's been coming up a lot recently because of the last of us is, Oh, there finally somebody made a good at game adaptation. Oh, this is an argument that I will very much disagree with. Um, as somebody who has been following gate app game adaptations, as long as I have, yeah. Um, maybe you think that this is more Hollywood or more award worthy in your head, but shows like Castlevania have existed. Say what you want about the Resident Evil films, but Silent Hill was good. Yeah. Game, there have Fucking been arcade on Netflix is a uh, masterpiece, right? Ar- and people d- don't think about that in the same context of the last of us because it's animated, right? Mr. Del Toro himself <laughs> at the Oscars yeah. said, Animation is cinematography. It is not a genre. Right. It, it, it deserves to be up there with everything else and considered in the same space. It's not a cartoon when you animate it. It's a cartoon when it's a cartoon made for children. Right. I want to say that I appreciate what The Last of Us has done 
because things like The Last of Us will push more projects like it to get made. It is just a shame that it took this to do it when there are so many other fine examples of what a good game adaptation should be. Um, give me give me your thoughts about the show itself. The show itself, um, yeah. Uh, so adaptations, the show itself. Let um, the Last of Us as a story in video games might be, and I, I don't say this with with any reservation at all, the best story in video games. And I don't mean like you know the best. Like, like the best story is and like it is objectively better because of anything. I mean, it is probably the best told story in video games. Mm-hmm. You may like sci-fi and find Metroid to be a better story or Horizon Zero Dawn or something like that. I'm all for that. I per, I personally love the Horizon series as far as story goes. A lot of people are Mass Effect fans. Mass Effect, yeah. There, there's stories everywhere. Mm-hmm. But as far as telling your story goes, and especially in video game format, The Last of Us just nailed it all the way home. So much so that they made a award-winning television show that captured the hearts of, you know, the, the world out of it. This is their story. Well, my point is, is there are stories like this all over video games. What does The Last of Us show us? It shows us that what it takes to make a air quotes good video game adaptation is love for the material. Mm-hmm. You could do that out of anything. I mean, they're going to try and do it out of Mario in theaters here really soon. <laughs> and Mario is, is is about an Italian plumber who goes down pipes, beats up turtles, and collects coins that he just finds in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this isn't, there's no story in this, but they're going to try and make something out of it. <sighs> My final thoughts on the show are that if you take amazing creators and you take, you know, actors who really want to get it they're all and producers and production assistants and you know everything else costumes cg the cg in the show was great mm-hmm. um you know did everything that went into the show every single person who worked on it down to the guy who carries the wires that power the microphones this show was top-notch in quality and for video games when when someone makes a video game and you have that level of production that level of like people programmers you know a just like killing themselves trying to make the angle on this ramp perfect for their racetrack or the, the the books on the shelves cast the correct shadow you know in a single room that kind of love for a good video game if you put that into a tv show about the video game you will get the same effect it, it, it's about love for the material and you know that because the director of the game the last of us practically you had word and everything that happened in the show, the last of us, mm-hmm. because he fucking loved it. And he was right there. He even directed one of the episodes and he is not a TV director, mm-hmm. but he got all the way in there because he really wanted, uh, you know, this show to have all of the qualities and all of the heart and all of the love poured into it that he poured into his game and everyone who helped to work on that game poured into that game. That's, that's how we do quality adaptations. And if you're looking for more stories, Horizon Zero Dawn would be a very good story for a TV show. It would be a long series, but it would be I think Amazon's doing it. It would just be very, very expensive. Yeah. But but Amazon's doing it as a series that's going to take place before all the events. Okay. So it's kind of about about the apocalypse itself. Yeah, because, you know, doing a, you know, kind of a, you know post-apocalyptic, you know, native tribe sort of the scenario with also a bunch of CG robot dinosaurs. That sounds incredibly expensive. Ghost of Tsushima. Now, that's an incredible story. That is a story with gravitas and stakes and, you know, 
politics and poetry. It's beautiful. That's a good video game story you can turn into a series. Mm-hmm. Um, do that. Uh, maybe maybe learn that you shouldn't make video games into movies, at least not ones with actual stories. Mm-hmm. Um, turn them into TV shows. TV shows are amazing these days. Um, I think that might be all the lessons we learned from The Last of Us, besides the fact that it is a pleasure to double feature Pedro Pascal in a single TV viewing night. It really is, Mandalorian yes. Mandalorian and The Last of Us. More of that, please. I want more of these opportunities to have <laughs> double feature Pedro Pascal nights. Absolutely agree. And that's everything that we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you head over to goodnight.gg to become a patron of our show. You can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us as well as at gnggcast on Twitter to talk to me directly. Again, we will be going bi-monthly. So next week we'll be off. We will be recording Patreon episodes. And every week that we are not um, doing one of our shows, we will be putting something up on Patreon. So... Mm-hmm. There you go. Until next time, for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game.